now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff too. Now let's join our hosts, Q and J, as they broadcast live from the writer's room. The show starts in one... Like this music? Yeah. That's the lyrics. <laughs> I think the lyrics are just like something really sadomasochistic. Is it just, uh, my mic sounds really loud. Well, that's because you're like almost engulfing it with your mouth. Maybe that's what you should do. Maybe? Like yeah, I should be here? Oh yeah, you sound good. Aww. Sensual. I love it. So... Now that we've got it's the, just gonna play the whole time. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, we've got the well, whole. It's gonna set the mood, and that's the thing about our topic today is that it's all atmospheric. It's all right. mood. Yes. You wanna? You wanna? Wait, did you say all mood or all nude? No, I'm all nude. I mean, we're the both live all show. nude. This is the nude live that's show. That's how. That's what you get by getting to come to the live it's shows. The, is not the you nude just get live to see show. us nude. Yeah, this is the nude live show. Right. It's better than in person. It's naked. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and that's because we're. <laughs> Seriously, how long is this? Uh, about three and a half minutes. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So if for anyone who hasn't Listen, guessed... Listen, we're going with it, and do you know why? Because that's what we do? Because we make shit weird, and David Lynch is weird, and I just totally spoiled our list. You made so uh, such a beautiful segue with that. Yeah. The segue was so strong that the music's still playing. I know. It was so inspired, it just got a hard it's, on, it just kept it's on gonna, going. It's gonna stop, are you ready? Second wind. It's still going. <laughs> 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 she was like, I'm gonna make this intro music 87 minutes long. It is, it's almost like, it when, is. It's almost like when David Lynch will fade in a scene over another scene. Yeah. Sort of like every other scene in uh, Blue Velvet or... Right. Definitely Inland Empire. You know, yes. it's, it's just that's that fade over. It's that the layers, and that's what David Lynch is really good about: is layers. He, he is just an onion, <laughs> right? That's what you're yeah. saying. He's a, he's a little weird. You don't want to bite him directly. Kind of smelly. He's, he's great with just about everything. Good in a taco salad. Yeah, not with ice cream though. No David Lynch with ice cream. Uh, speak for yourself. I like onion ice cream. That is disgusting. Is it though? Yeah. Some may say it's Lynchian. <laughs> So, do you want to describe our list today, since we've pretty much already declared what it no, is? No, we got like a high seven five. Times? Okay, uh, okay, well, we're uh, gonna high five. You ready? Red and high five. High five. Should we high five? High five. 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 High
to all the people who weren't here to see it live and in person, fuck them. We're not going to tell them what just happened. You got to come to our live show to our see what happens will just know. then. Shit. Our fan will know for sure. Hooray for fan. Yay! Yeah, fan! All right, so. Okay, we're having too much fun being weird, but that's the point of today is, is. to be weird. It is. Because... Well, why? Tell us why, Q. Well, because uh, David Lynch is weird. He is. And tonight we're celebrating his films. Yes. In an, an a homage. <laughs> what? Well, I'm, choo- a I'm, I'm choosing to say things differently than they would normally be said, just like David Lynch, because I'm inspired. Sure. Okay. Actually, Whatever. if I was going to say it like him, I'd be like, and today <laughs> we are going to celebrate David Lynch. Lynch. Have you ever heard him in, in oh, his yeah. in his like sing songy stuff? I have. He did uh, he did a bunch of clips where he would like give the news or do weather for random radio st- or re- random TV stations. And also, he had a great run on the show Louie. Today, it's going to rain <laughs> outside. Also, clowns. Don't don't. <laughs> and then Laura Dern's there for some weird reason. Yeah, because Daddy likes to fuck. That's Daddy why. Likes to Daddy, baby wants to it. fuck. Well, baby wants to fuck. That shit got weird. People walking by are were, yeah. were like, "Man, I wish we'd get bought tickets to that show." Well, if people knew, it's the tourists that are walking outside because <laughs> we are broadcasting live from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, home of country music and baby wanting to fuck. <laughs> Yeah. So if there's two things you come for to Nashville as a tourist, it's country music and to hear two bearded dudes shout from a stage at you that baby needs to fuck yep. and talk about David Lynch films. That's on our postcards. It is. Come to Nashville. Baby, baby wants, wants to fuck. <laughs> hyphen Tian. Yeah, we trademarked that. That's high five. Right. We yeah. own that now. That's going to be available on our gift shop soon. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, again, we talked about him being weird, and I have always been a huge fan of David Lynch. You know, he only has about ten films, so narrowing it down to five was easier than some of our other uh, lists. But what I do really appreciate is that he plays in to his own weirdness, and I truly believe it's on purpose, because he's never gone on record as saying, this is what my movies are about. Or this is what this is about. Right. And so he plays up the fact that they're so weird and they're so esoteric and they can be translated in so many different ways by being weird himself. That is a fact. It it adds this kind of art deco menage (laughs) thing. Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj. (laughs) I'm a monster. That was my Nicki Minaj impression. That was was a, a dead on. Nicki Minaj Yeah, my ass got bigger when I said that. <laughs> it did. I can see it from here. So did my boobies. Boobies. Speaking of boobies, David Lynch has a lot of those in his movies. He does. But you know what? What's weird about a David Lynch, they're really hard films to masturbate to. They are. They're really quick, and you just feel dirty. You do. Like, I'm telling you, like, I'm halfway through Blue Velvet. I got it out. I'm just, like, jerking just furiously. And You're then in a closet somewhere. Right. Right. Well, that's how you watch them. Right. Like, I put it on the TV, and then I go hide in the closet. Right. And then just peek through the little blinds. Right. So, like, the movie doesn't know that I'm watching it. And then when, when the hopper shows up, it gets it gets real good. I come? Oh, no. What? What? Huh? No, we stop. Sure. Okay. All right. But, yeah, so that's how David Lynch films are best viewed. Through a closet, peeking through the little shaded parts. Knowing that it doesn't know you're there. So, I'll tell you something interesting about David Lynch. Okay. I love interesting things about David Lynch. 
So for everybody who is familiar with David Lynch, or even if you're not, kind of, I, I've I figured it out. I figured out what David Lynch's kind of thing is. Okay. Because for a long time, it it gave me a lot of trouble. I couldn't figure out, like, I knew he was kind of like avant-garde. He had a, a bunch bit. of, like, really weird, just kind of nonsensical stuff. But th then he also had a lot of symbolism. Um, and I was trying to figure out what cohesively all of his movies say. Okay. And I think I've figured it out. I would love to hear this. Baby wants to fuck. Yeah. Uh, I, that's think that's, I think that's right. That's not what they're saying. Um, what, they, what they're actually saying is uh, they take American life as it's seen on the outside and they slice with a gnarly serrated blade right down the chest of American society. Oh, they do. And they open it up like the smelly insides of a tauntaun. Like a, like a baby from a racer. Right, head. exactly. And they show you the disgusting innards of... American society. Oh, sure. And I feel like that's... If, if all of his movies were lined back to back to back to back to back, first off, it'd be a very curvy back. Oh, man. It would be, be a, a, a like weird a, day. An H.R. Giger of a back. It would be a weird day. Um, but uh, they, that would be their one through line in all of them. I feel like all of their movies, all of his movies are haunting and disturbing because they show a version of people that people are normally kind of off-put by. Oh, sure. Um, and I feel like that's it. Now, I, I can agree with you, but I will, I've been a fan of Lynch since I was in high school. This has been uh, somebody that I have adored and admired, and every new film that he has that's come out, I get really, really excited, and I go see it, and I digest it, and I analyze it, and I get super nerdy about David Lynch. And I think that's one of the areas where he pretty much has a split-down-the-middle audience. If you're the type of person that really loves to analyze film, right. and film as it is... Like you. Like me, then David Lynch is right up your alley. Or if like you're a big you old just, dummy dumb like me. <laughs> if you just want to sit and enjoy something and don't want to think about it, David Lynch films really or, aren't for you. Or jerk off to. Right. I would say that they're non... They're, they're films sans jerking off. <laughs> but... I need to not stop like, laughing not, directly into the microphone. Not jerking off with sand, because <laughs> yeah. that would be something Lynch would do. Uh, there would be sands, so are like, without oh, oh my, jerking off. Oh, my God. But, like, for me, I agree with you that I oh think Oh, my, that Ed he, Helms. That was a callback to the last live show. <laughs> Woo! All right. But his through line to me is he's extremely over-concerned with duality. Right. So, just like you said, is taking that veneer, that American society, and it's weird because almost all of his movies feel like, to some degree, especially his big ones, right. feel like they're set in the 50s or 60s, even though they're not. Yeah, I'll agree they, with that. They have this over-sensationalized, over, even the colors, over-saturated colors, yeah. and then you get down to the underbelly, and he's obsessed with this daytime and nighttime, good and evil blonde brunette so oh, he loves sure. this this idea of duality but almost every one of his movies goes into depth on exploring a single idea so whether it's marriage and infidelity whether it's dreams whether it's identity whether it's parenthood whether it's friendship he takes that single idea and then shows the weird hypocritical duality that exists in everybody around those and he has a better way of creating almost a fever dream-like experience right. that I don't think any 
director has ever come close to. The one person that I could say sort of gets it is Shane Carruth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he has his okay. own little sense where upon re-watching, the right. movies get better. So I can tell you for, for damn sure that with Lynch films, the very first time you watch one of them, it, it's weird, it's off-putting, it gets under your skin, but the more you watch it, the more you understand it. And for me, that's why I love David Lynch, because there's the really cinematic riddles. Once you know the key to figuring out what he's talking about... <laughs> <laughs> Stop jerking off the microphone. I can't help it when we start am, talking am I about. Am babbling too much? We, no, no, no. When I'm we babbling start, too much about David. When Lynch. we start talking about David Lynch, it just makes me want to jerk off. That's a weird thing. Is it? Are you just like obsessed with blue velvet? Like you cut off and then you just like touch yep. it and rub it on yep. your face. Silencio. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so for me, that's really what I love about David Lynch is that there's a rewatchability. Because they get better each time because there are things to discover. There are new things to explore. And it is. It's a riddle. If you don't like riddles, if you don't like trying to figure out puzzles, then or his movies really thinking. aren't for you. Yeah. If you don't You're like just thinking. a dumb, dumb, stupid head. But also... Don't take that personally anybody, but like, yeah. But if you are a dumb, dumb, stupid head... You probably won't like them. Yeah. Um, now, smart people don't like them as well because a lot of times people just want to watch movies. But that's, those, aren't, those aren't Lynch films. Lynch films... Well, that sounds weird. Uh, David Lynch films are, are, are pieces of art that you have to analyze. I will say, okay, so I'm going to call you out on your little misspeak there. Because earlier this week when we were prepping for the show and everything, yeah. and I just get a text from you that was <laughs> like, hey, man, I uh, just wanted to let you know my Lynch list is coming along really well. Yeah. And, and I have it right here. It's uh, Taylor Swift, uh, Justin B. Oh, wait, this is a different one. No, yeah, we shouldn't read that out loud because... Okay. I'm going to have to testify against you now. And, well, they can't do that, right? Husband and wife can't testify against that each other. That is true. So it's, that is totally right, true. Right, so we're fine. Um, so I get this text review, and it's just like, hey, man, my lynch list is coming along really well. And so for a split second, I actually read it, and I was like, I forgot that we were doing a David Lynch list. And <laughs> I was like, this is a really fucked up text to... <laughs> To receive from Jay. And then you must have like read my mind because very quickly after that text, I get another one and you were like, David Lynch list. No, I, I said also my David Lynch oh, list yeah. is coming along yeah. well too. Yeah. Perfect. So I was like, oh, okay, good. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought that was really funny. I thought the audience should know. <laughs> yes, how terrible a person I am. Yeah. I like it. I appreciate that. You're that you're going to murder people. So many people. I have by, the list right here. Hanging. but I had to And let's in. be honest, one person breaking in to hang other people very difficult very difficult like that's determination i've been working out just for that purpose it's all it's all arms and shoulders right day. i don't know if you've ever seen the cinematic classic 88 minutes <laughs> yeah okay i'm gonna spoiler alert this uh at the end of that movie well through that movie the the murderer uh suspends their victims in the air they do and then cuts them open and they drain their blood and stuff yeah um, and it's found out at the end to be Lily Sobieski. Which is total bullshit. And then they have an amazing scene where she is literally holding a woman suspended in the air with one hand yeah. on the rope, but then Al Pacino comes over when he has to grab the rope, and he's struggling yeah. to hold this woman. So that's how I total, imagine you. Total bullshit. Like Lily Sobieski. So it's like Lily Sobieski and, and Al Pacino in 88 Minutes meets 8 Millimeter and 8 Mile. And there's, wait, wait, there's wait. our so they, eight through so line. So Nicolas Cage, 
Who's raps. here, by the way? Oh, he is here. Our, our, our they didn't even introduce him to the no, audience. He, he didn't want to be introduced. He just wanted to be a fly it's on the wall. It's not a big deal. He's a big fan of David Lynch it. starring in Also, a, in a he's film. a big fan of High Five Yes, the he is. So uh, if everyone in the audience would give a big round of applause to Nicolas Cage, our hey, special Nick. guest. Multiple claps, more people clapping, and lots of stuff. Yeah. What? Yeah, nothing. Sure. So they love Nicolas Cage yeah. here. And also, we always got to acknowledge, we got B. Arthur here B. with Arthur. us. But she's always here, so she's just, you know. B loves us. She's our, she's our stage she's mom. She's our ride-or-die chick. Yeah, she's our stage mom. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Forcing so us to do things we don't want to do sexually. What? What? Hmm? Huh? What? Huh? Speaking huh? of David Lynch. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, get undressed. Let's get into our list. Okay. I'm very curious to see uh, how grotesque and dark and seedy your list is. Sure. Um, I mean, that's a given, given David Lynch's list. I mean, his movies. <laughs> that's double given. That's a double, that's a given squared. That is. With David Lynch's list because he has 10 films. Eight of them are sadistic and weird. Yeah. So if you got to pick five, there's going to be some on there that are sadistic and weird. So let's get weird. Getting started. Uh, my number five is... Our good friend Nick's movie, Wild at Heart, nice. from 1990. Nice. Yeah, Laura Dern, Nick Cage being crazy for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, this is one, you know, I said each each uh, David Lynch film explores a single theme. And this uh, theme, and I'll say it for, for most of them, but this theme is juvenile love, like infantile love, like rushing sure. into love too fast. But the reason that I love Wild at Heart is not only is it just crazy beyond belief, where the general premise is Nicolas Cage is a convict named Sailor, right. and Laura Dern is a teenager named Lula, and they are in love with each other, but Lula's mom hires no fewer than four different hitmen yeah, to, to kill, kill Nicolas, Nicolas Cage. Cage on multiple occasions just because they're taking a road trip. Right. It also probably has, and I'll say this, and this is going to be definitive for Jay on this podcast my favorite Willem Dafoe performance ever. Ooh, that's... It's, I know that's a big claim, but Bobby Peru with those teeth... That is a fucking and, weird character. <laughs> and the whole scene, if you just go on YouTube and watch the scene where he accosts Laura Dern in the hotel room or the motel room, and he... Oh, it's just... Jack Rabbit, I'm gonna fuck her face. Those teeth is just ah. Oh. Speaking of which, one of my favorite Bobby Peru. So I've got a little Bobby Peru thing here oh. actually. Uh, is uh, so he has this exchange with Lula, and it's probably one of my favorite things ever, where he says, uh, "I gotta take a piss bad. Can I use your head?" <laughs> and she says, uh, "Yeah, I guess." And he says, "I don't mean your head, head. I'm not gonna piss on your head, your hair, and all. I'm just gonna piss in the toilet." Y'all take a listen. Y'all hear the deep sound coming down from <laughs> yeah. Bobby Peru. He's just <laughs> such a good character. And on almost every Lynch film, yeah. he has that one crazy-as-fuck character. Yep. It might be the main character. It might be a side character. In this one, it happens to be Willem Dafoe. They put teeth makeup on him. That just He's the most disgusting human being on the planet. And his death in that film? Yeah. Holy Shit. shit. It's yeah. so good. For those who haven't seen it, go ahead and spoil it. They're robbing a bank. Yep. And he turns on Nicolas Cage, gets distracted by the teller. So Nicolas Cage runs out the door. Bobby Peru chases him, 
gets shot in the shoulder by a police officer, trips and falls onto his own shotgun, blowing his head completely off. Completely splattering off. Splattering it on the wall of yep. the bank. It's amazing. And it's just so quick, you don't expect it. It also kind of establishes and goes along with Lynch's idea that he loves to have head trauma oh, in his movies. Oh, absolutely. So much head trauma in Lynch movies. But it's maybe the best one, in yeah, my opinion. I'm, I'm totally Outside of you. some like lobotomies that happen in other films. This one is just him tripping and just falling on the shotgun. And... Yeah. So good. It's amazing. And then the end with like the... The the, um, the the Elvis song, so good and crazy. And if you can get through it, it is very well worth the ride. Some may say it's wild at heart. It is wild. It's wild at heart. It's wild, wacky, wild <laughs> stuff. It's weird, wild weird, stuff. Weird, wild, wacky stuff. I like it, man. So that's, that's a my strong five. start to the list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, number four, uh-huh. taken in a bit more dire, All or right. dour, if you will, dour. to whoever the fuck cares. Dead well, lady in the back. Woo! That dead lady cares. Elephant Man. All right. 1980. That's a heavy film, man. It's it's well, it's super heavy, and one of the reasons that I love it, and one of the reasons that it's on my list, is because it does truly show that Lynch understands cinema. Yeah. That's one of the things that I don't think people appreciate enough about him is there's like, oh, he's that weird guy. And they think he's just weird. And he weird. does weird shit. Yeah. He's just weird for the sake of being weird. No. And that's not true. Like you mentioned earlier, it's all about symbolism. Everything in his movie is a symbol or a puzzle. But Elephant Man, he took an old story and he adapted it in a way that's basically Oscar bait. Oh, I mean, for John, sure. John Hurt destroys that role. And it's oh, a, man. John Hurt's a well-known actor. Yep. Pretty face. They keep him in horrific makeup the whole movie. Yep. Or under his little like sheath thing, yeah. the hat. It's it's none of this veil. nowadays bullshit you have where it's like, oh, we got a Deadpool movie, but Deadpool's horrifically scarred for most of it. Let's make half the movie Ryan Reynolds looking pretty. Right. I love Deadpool, but the the fact is people are scared to hide actors nowadays behind. But see, that's the joy makeup. of David Lynch. David Lynch yeah. is like, he I don't give a fuck. <laughs> We're going to put him in makeup. Your David Lynch impression is my favorite impression that you do. Thank you. Outside of your Hitler. Thank you. Can you do a Hitler Lynch? <laughs> Nine! Good, yeah. All right. Yeah, golf clap. Golf clap Thank for you. that. But the audience mean, loved it. Who here loves Hitler? <laughs> yes! I finally got him. That was solid. That was solid. Also, get them out of here. <laughs> That's fucking unacceptable. Keep the dead lady. Get the Hitler fan <laughs> out of here. Get the Hitler fan out of here. But, I mean, Elephant Man is a it's a cinema classic. It is very good. Anthony Hopkins is great in it. John Hurt is, from top to bottom, amazing. It, it's, you know. It's <laughs> a weird way to describe it. Top to bottom. I'll tell you what, from his to toesies to his nosies. He is just uh, he the is bee's knees. <laughs> but it is a, it's a fantastic film, yeah. black and white. Um, and just everybody knows the line. It's like, I'm a human being. Right. I'm everybody not an knows animal. it. And that scene is heartbreaking where he's just trying to get through the bus station, accidentally runs into a kid, scares a little girl, and there's a, a David Lynch mob after him. <laughs> like, there's, there's a Jay's Lynch list. <laughs> yeah. And he just runs into the bathroom and the back door is yeah. locked. And he just, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And the idea of the movie is that he's this genius, he's this artistic phenom that everyone loves what he does but no one loves him him and it's heartbreaking to to watch but it's filmed in a way where it's like yeah david lynch knows exactly how to make a good film like he understands how movies work so which makes 
it puts all of his other films in context. It's basically saying, you think I'm just being weird to be weird, but watch a straight story, watch, which is G-rated, right. Jesus Christ, and watch Elephant Man. Like, I know what I'm doing, so I'm doing the rest of this on purpose. Right. And I'm doing it the right way. I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. Nine genius. <laughs> Nine. So, uh, yeah. That's my, so far. That's my number four. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging your list, man. It's taking us down a, a wild and wacky, wild, wild, wacky, wild and wacky tour. But, um, yeah. But so you I'm, want my number I'm three? I'm digging that. I do. I'm okay. excited. My number three is one we've talked about on the show before. Cool. So if you listen to our show, you know I like this one. And if one. you don't, fuck you. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, number three is Eraserhead. It's his yeah. debut. Solid. It was a student film that he did, which is incredibly solid. Uh, one of the best director debuts ever. It was number one on my list, so I do think it's the best first full film by a director that's ever been done. Sure. Because it did establish his feel, his tone, his ambiance, a lot of little tweaks that he would add in. Uh, yeah. I think some other movies sort of established him better, and we'll get to that because they're higher up in my list. But the feel of David Lynch was totally in the in, was in Eraserhead. For sure. And it has one of the most disturbing scenes ever when he cuts a baby open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he cuts the cloth. Yeah. And there's like a monster baby. And it just, and yeah, he like cuts the cloth open, and it's the first time that you've seen the baby's body, and you realize that the baby's organs were just held together by it's, this swaddling that it's, it's in. It's horrific. It's fucked up. It's horrific. It's fucked up, audience, Dead in the lady. back there. I'm talking to you. Dead lady. But, I mean, for this one, you know, that single topic is the idea of the fear of parenting. Like, right. it's the fear of parenthood. You don't know what you're doing. You feel like you're alone. You have this creature that depends on you for everything that you have mixed emotions about. Sure. And it personifies that in this weird fugue fever dream. And it's... Also, that, that baby looks exactly like my children. Yeah. Well, actually, it looks a lot like your baby photos. It does. That's where I get it from. They get it from, They get it from the daddy. <laughs> he so, looks like yeah. a baby Voldemort. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> the baby Voldemort and the and Sorcerer's Stone when he's on the back of Quirrell's head. I was going to say the weird Voldemort at the end... Spoiler alert. At the end <laughs> of uh, Deathly Hallows oh, Part 2. Under the little the, park bench when he's like squirming and he's kind of like bloody and stuff. Yeah, I like yours better. It's Lynchian. Yeah, that's very Lynchian. <laughs> But, I mean, for, for me, you know, Eraserhead is harder to watch than Elephant Man and Wild at Heart. Yeah. But I think just because it's a directorial debut, because it had so much unique feel to it and it sort of established David Lynch and propelled him to what he was going to be, and the fact it's a fucking student film. What, yeah. I mean, what, what students putting together something that good? So, I'll tell you who. David, David Lynch. Lynch. That's who. So that, that, for me, is why it's number three on my list. I like it. So I that like it very, very much. Rounds out five, four, three, which is five Wild at Heart, four Elephant Man, three Eraserhead. Yep, I think it's super solid. I enjoy your list. I also really enjoy your list. I have a list. Thanks, David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. So people I mean, listening, you're this welcome. On, people listening to this online, he is also here with Nick Cage. Yeah, he's just standing, just standing not so back. silently next to Nick Cage. Yeah. So yeah, I like it. And I'm gonna try and beat it. I I would love for you to beat it. And by beat it, I mean beat, beat off it. to it. I mean beat off to it. Beat it. Because that's what you do to David Lynch films. Beat it. Like to jerk off. Wait, what? Hmm? I'm glad I stopped singing for that. Okay, good. Uh, so. <laughs> so here we go. Speaking of head trauma, number five. Well, I, was, I said, speaking of head trauma to your insane in the membrane, I don't know if you caught that or not. That was for you. Sure. That was a joke for you. Fine. For you alone, no Neat. one else. You're welcome. 
number five. Eraser head. Yay! That's right. It's on my list. It's it, on my list as my number five. It's hard to, I mean, with 10 of his films, it's hard to not make it somewhere in the top five, right? A- absolutely. And I will agree with you in that it, it set the tone for sure of what was to come. I'm matching his hairstyle. I'm trying to. It looks super sexy. I went full Lynch for this live show. You know how I, you know how I get around David Lynch films. I'm trying really hard not to just masturbate furiously while talking to you. We doing are this nude, podcast. and I am. I know things are already heading I, that way. So. I have my hair like David Lynch. So. Right. So. I get it. Right. I get it. All right. Just it's, understand, a lot of willpower coming from my side. So you're welcome. I very much appreciate that. Or my wife does I'm too. I'm sorry to you. Yeah. You my know, toes do. You want to take it? Good. Thanks. <laughs> Ew. 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 So yeah, that's right, audience member. That's Bro. right. It is you. <laughs> that was an uncomfortable amount of silence afterwards. <laughs> I think I scared them. Sorry. I was just like, it is you, and they're just like, they looked at me like, oh god. And the thing is, you spelled it E W E, so you're talking about like baby goats or right. whatever. And they're that's just so like weird. being weird. Quit being weird. All right, so back to <laughs> our list. <laughs> All right, so um, Eraserhead. Uh, set the tone. Um, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay, so you know how when student filmmakers kind of come out of the gate, every student filmmaker, I don't know if you've watched a lot of like original OG student films from like prominent directors nowadays. I've seen my share. There's a couple floating around on the interwebs that you can find. But what you see a lot of times, and this is kind of a cliche of student films in general, is... Uh, artists finally getting that opportunity to like express themselves without boundaries. Yeah. And so a lot of times they'll do really weird shit or shit that just doesn't work. They're like, I have this fucking brilliant idea, man. We're just going to like fucking shoot the entire uh, movie as if it's inside a human nose and it's like looking at the people and it's really just telling them <laughs> that that is just like, like metaphorically speaking, it's like inside the nose of the world because we're talking. God. We're all God talking. inside of us because we're all God, man. That's what I'm trying to say. You're totally talking about maniac. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. But, but no, I agree with you. But you also have to remember the the, the flip side of of uh, student films where they just it's a carbon copy of someone else. Yeah, it's just like, hey, here's my here's my uh, movie, uh, Iowa James, yeah. and the and the Sarlacc pit of of sorrow. Right. Or um, that was a bad example, but you know was. what I'm saying. But yeah, a carbon copy of something. I else. know. I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith is still doing that. <laughs> right. Burn, Kevin Smith. I'm sorry. We I love, love Kevin you. Smith. Why would you do that? Because it was funny. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> it was touche. It was easy fodder. And I'll touché. tell you what. If there's anything that Kevin Smith knows, it's easy fodder. Ouch! <laughs> double burn. <laughs> that's a double. Why? That's a double, Why? So that's a double whammy. I, I, He'll appreciate I, 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 it. It's it's out of love. We know he's a big fan of our show. So, um. So anyway, getting back to what I was saying. So. Um, you kind of get this unbridled thing. And I will say for Eraserhead, what it shows to me, while maybe not his most linear movie... Oh, my God. Uh, I will say that it is what I feel is the closest that we've ever come to just pure Lynch-id. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's the closest we've come to him just really just kind of putting whatever he wanted on screen. It's, I'm, I'm raising my hand because I'm not going to disagree with you. Okay. 
Good. Because with his films, fat. no, with his films, I totally agree. Have you ever seen his shorts, Rabbits? Uh, yes, I have. That, I think, fits that description better, but it it's would. not a film. Right. And I'm talking about film. I think this is the closest yeah. we've ever come in a feature-length yeah. movie to him just... But yeah. Rabbits, that's a fucking I love, weird by the movie. way, aside, I love that Rabbits makes a cameo in Inland Empire. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Inland Empire was hard for me to get through, buddy. It's hard for anyone I'm to gonna get I'm going to be through. honest. That's, that's not on my list, and I'm it hoping an, it's not on your it's list. It's an honorable mention okay. for me. That one and A Straight Story are yeah. both honorable mentions now, for me. Now, Straight Story, not so hard to get through. No, it's, but just it's just not. It's weird. But it's in like, a it's very weird. benign yeah, way. It's meta weird because it's David Lynch making almost a PG good old American Disney movie. Disney movie. I mean, it's G. Not it's even like PG. secondhand lions by yeah, way of is, David Lynch. It's, and it's meta weird because you don't expect it. Right. So anyway, but yes, no, it's not on my list because it is tough to get through. I think it was more of a failed experiment. You know how he, this is an Inland Empire little thing since we're not going to talk about it. But I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> you know how he produced that and did it? Uh-uh. He did not have a script. He hired everybody, and he wrote a scene a day. So the actors and him had no idea when they were Until filming that what they were going to film the next day. He would come in and give them pages in the morning that he had written the night before. He had no idea how it was going to end. to be honest, it feels like it. It does. And like I said, I think it was a, a worthy experiment but a failed one because it is, it's almost beyond what – a normal person can sit through because it really doesn't say much. much it, of doesn't, anything. it doesn't have the, the 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 Lynchian through lines that the rest do. But sorry, get no, back to fine. what you were talking about. Yeah. Well, one of the just a little. I, you know, very rarely I'm the guy with factoids, but I have a little factoid that I find super uh, interesting, and I'm sure some of our audience members do too. Uh, I'm a big Stanley Kubrick fan. Kubrick. Kubrick. And uh, he cited this film as a personal favorite of his. Yeah. Um, and some say, and it's been told through stories, people who talk to Kubrick, that he actually said that it was an inspiration for The Shining. Yeah. And when he was filming The Shining, that he made the cast and crew watch Eraserhead um, to get them in the mindset of yeah. what he, the feeling he wanted yeah. to put out on film. That just undertone, under the skin feel. And I think uh, if, we, if you go back and listen to our first episode with directorial debuts when I talk about this, he specifically worked with the sound engineer for The Shining yep. to copy the sound mechanics from Eraserhead to set those emotional tones. Now that is one thing that I will say was incredibly impressive. The sound in Eraserhead oh my God. Is, is so unnerving just on its own merit um, and was something that completely blows me away especially for a student film, especially right. for a first feature. I mean, it's so intricate. And I will say, I don't think Lynch has ever come close to really doing it again, except for, I'm going to segue into my number four. Oh, nice. See what I did there? I love it. Elephant Man. Nice. Elephant Man. We share same number four. Oh, that was your number four. High five to that. Boom. Um, so Elephant Man, in, along those lines, I feel like shares a lot of... Um, beside the bizarre imagery, a very cinematic feel similar to Eraserhead. And it I was his that. second feature. It was. So uh, I feel like the sound design is very reminiscent, and I feel like a lot of the film uh, staging and blocking is very reminiscent 
Well, it's, and it's black and white, so it you get that feel. It is also black and white. You get that same kind of feel, and it has that kind of... Uh, Elephant Man has a very, like, textural feel mm-hmm. to it. It's a very, like, kind of dirty... Not dirty film, but it's not a no. dirty movie. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up, because I, one of the things I wanted to mention about David Lynch in general is that one of the things that makes him so unique is the way that he's able to make extremely cerebral films, right. but make them at the exact same time completely and utterly visceral. Oh, for sure. And that's one of his staples that it's they're horrifying in their own right. There's some scenes almost in every film that just stick with you, but they're also these like weird mind puzzles, but they're all, like you said, textured. And I love that you use that word textured because it's so true. I mean, that's what it feels like. They are just very textured mm-hmm. films. So thanks. I'm going to keep saying it because it yeah, impresses no. you. You ready? Texture. 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 This is for the podcast. Hey, audience, this is our show. This is not a participation show. Well, it is technically, but later. later. Not right now. Sit on your hands. Relax. Not That's not what I meant. (laughs) You keep your hands where we can see them. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) All right, Naomi Watts. So, so Elephant Man. Uh, So, moving on to that. I had a little bit to add, like when you were talking. It was hard to to bite my tongue while you were talking about it. Um, No, it's just... So... but the story about uh, about uh, John Merrick, or I think his name was actually Joseph Merrick. Yeah, but John Merrick in the film. John Merrick in the film um, is, and I could not, you could not say it better. It is so incredibly crushing, the story. Um, but here we go. I'm going to get real deep with this. Okay, it is the most human portrait I've ever seen of a monster. Oh yeah. So they take something outside a mask. Right. They take something that is so right. No, no, no. We're going the mask with Jim Carrey. (laughs) Smoking. So human. So human. Just visceral. Uh, It's textured. (laughs) Textured. So, uh, but it takes the story of John Merrick, who is a very incredibly sympathetic character, Mm -hmm. um, because he is. Out of all of the people in the movie, aside from uh, 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 Hopkins, An- yeah, Anthony Hopkins, um, is the most <laughs> is the most human. Yeah, and he is the quote unquote monster in the movie. Yeah, all these other people, you see these horribly horrific monstrous sides of them, yeah. but it's all internal. Well, and that's that's one of the that's the through line of that film is you know with. Eraserhead, we talked about for the fear of parenthood, and with Wild at Heart, we talk about like juvenile love. Like that film's through line is what it means to be human, like what it means to feel human. And I love that you brought that up because that's one of my favorite aspects of that film is the monster is the only human in the film, and it's beautiful because of that. Anthony Hopkins, fava beans. (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean, the, one of the most heartbreaking scenes for me outside of the one everybody knows is when the famous actress comes to see John right. Merrick in his room and yeah. Anthony Hopkins is like, it's okay if he comes. And he's like, sure, whatever. And he gets up and he thinks he's having this intellectual discussion with her. But all it really is is she's famous and wanted to see this monster. Right. And he realizes it because he's so smart about halfway through. And you just see – I mean, that's why John Hurt's so good in it is you see through the makeup and through the performance and how he delivers his lines the moment he realizes that she's not there to talk with For him. For him. She's there to look at him. Right. And it's crazy. 
crushing. It is crushing. But I will say one of the other things that um, I feel like that movie and the reason it's it's a little bit higher than Eraserhead on my list is because I feel like that was the first time he offered something that was an actual what could be considered a theatrical oh, yeah. movie. I mean, it's Oscar bait that's through the, and through. That's the closest, and I would say, other than a straight line, or a straight, what is it, a straight, straight line? Story. Straight story. Other than that, I feel like that's the closest he's ever come yeah. to an actual, just theatrical, right. widely understood and accepted kind of movie. Right. Well, and that's an interesting one to go on and we were talking before the show is that Lynch is someone that's it is he is tough to to get into if you're not a fan of his films right and outside of a straight story which I, I have to keep defaulting to that because it's so accessible to everybody right so it's almost not even counted but for David Lynch films this is the one that is almost the best introduction because it's one that is cinematic, it is theatrical, it does show that he knows what he's doing behind the camera, but it also has enough weirdness, enough layers, that you can sort of go from that one into some of his darker ones. And sort of, it does, it's not too jarring. It's not like you're starting with Inland Empire or Mulholland Drive. Oh, you, can, you can ease your way in with For that sure. movie because you sort of get it. You sort of see what he's able to do, and then you can move to something like like a Blue Velvet or a Wild at Heart right. and not be too put off. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So, speaking of nonlinear things, yes, that's going to roll me into my number three. Boom. Which is Mulholland Drive. Boom, 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 boom. movies that it's just like okay for me at least it was one that I, I never really understood it's very like much debated still oh about it's what the meaning is there are websites and like college papers written about that film it's one of my favorites like we'll talk about it on my yeah, list eventually sure. but it is spoilers. so yeah no, spoiler alert brackets whatever <laughs> shut up but it's, it's so we'll it it's so good though like and it really is, and, and when we talk about it for me, I'll give you my theory on like what's happening with it. Okay. But I agree with you. Like dissertations are written about that movie because it's so just good. It's visceral. Right. And I mean, I know that. I mean, people are like, "Well, it's a David Lynch movie." I know David Lynch is not necessarily known for being like the most linear of oh yeah of storytellers, but uh, this movie in particular left me kind of like, "What the fuck." <laughs> Did I just watch? Like, what is even going on? Like, I thought I had it uh, through probably the midway point in the movie. <laughs> the two hour yeah. mark. I was like, oh, okay. It actually felt a little more straightforward. I was like, it's kind of a lucid dream. It's got this real, like, Hollywood kind of, like, yep. thing. Um, there is that great scene in the jazz club or in the, the oh, nightclub. Where, where they tell you. Oh, that's my one of my favorite scenes. Where they tell you oh, the trick, like, before they do it. That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. And he's like, nothing yeah. is real. <laughs> he comes out and he tells you. And that's one, of the thing, that's one of the things that I think about when I think about that movie is that particular scene. Right. And it's one of, in my opinions, one of the best scenes in cinema. Just 
period. all together. And and I do take great reservation with people who are like, oh, I don't like David Lynch because he's just weird for the sake of being weird. He is not. There are directors who are weird for the sake of being weird. I sure. think like Rob Zombie kind of falls into that category. I would agree like with that. Atmospheric for the sake of being atmospheric at the expense of your story. But David Lynch is never that. His is very meticulously planned out. Everything mm. is symbolic. I'm so glad you said meticulous because mm. that is so accurate. It is exactly what he wants it to be after I would say you can almost draw a straight line down his career from he did indie movies then he did Dune which is a big Hollywood production right. and he had producers writing his ass yep. and he did not like how that came out and he's even talked about yep. how out, very outspokenly about how he hates after Dune you can draw a straight line down his career because he did like Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, and all these ones just right after that that are like, you know what? Fuck you, Hollywood. This is me. This is what I'm going to do. But that scene is so well done. Just like you said, they come out and say, everything in this scene is fake. No one's playing an instrument. No one is singing. It's fake. None of this is real. And then they do it, and you just get totally lost in it. You're still like... They're like, man, that lady can really sing. sing. And it's like, fuck. Then she just falls on stage. Right. And you're like, what the hell just happened? And you just have to remember, it's like, no, he told me this at the beginning. But David Lynch understands how movies work so well that you go into a film, like walk into a movie theater, knowing Tom Cruise really isn't hanging off the side right. of a plane. Like, no, like Russell Crowe is not in a gladiator right. arena. Like, you know it's all fake. But a good movie can suck you into it, and you forget that it's Russell Crowe or Ryan Phillippe or Tom Cruise. or Why did I say Ryan Phillippe? I don't know. And like, <laughs> you forget that that's who they are, right. and that scene embodies that so well. There's actually another scene in that movie that does the same thing. It's the audition scene. Oh, yeah. Where Naomi right. Watts yeah. and that older guy are doing an audition, and David Lynch just does a close-up of their two faces so you never see the other people in the room right. until after the scene is over and it pulls back and everyone's like, whoa, that was like awesome. And you're sitting there going, shit, I forgot this was a movie inside of a movie. <laughs> right. That this was, and, and But he keeps doing that. And like I said, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head um, when you said, you know, David Lynch – um, knows how film works. Yeah. He also, I feel like to a certain extent knows how the human brain works. And yes. so he has, and you'll see it and I'm sure we'll discuss it more as we, you know, continue through our list. But, um, a big through line is he, he knows how to evoke very visceral feelings from people while, while you watch his, his work. Um, that he knows how to pull that out of you. Oh, man. He knows how to evoke a certain mood or a feeling through an image. And sometimes in his movies, it's just that. It's a singular image, maybe no audio, or just audio and no image. Or, you know, it's it's very. It's not like he has to tell you this whole long con of a story nope. to get you involved. He can do it with single images or single scenes and go... This is how you're going to feel during this, and this is yeah. what you're going to feel, and this is what you're going to think. And he's great about using color correctly. So you you know you'll take things like Eraserhead or Elephant Man; they're in black and white, and right. you know some of that's done on purpose. Eraserhead was done due to budget, right? But <laughs> you know uh, Elephant Man was done on a choice, right? But even through some of his other movies, like Blue Velvet, the color blue means something to David Lynch. Right. 
and the color blues and the color, you know, the blue, the blue box, the blue key in the, the blue Holland, velvet, the blue velvet, which makes a reappearance in Silencio right. Club. You know, it's that it has a through line for him and it means something. He's big into, I think it's called like semiotics, like the study of symbols. And he gotcha. loves that. And he plays it into every one of his movies. But what he does that no one else can do, at least well, I think, is that he takes a very fever dream, ephemeral type story uh-huh. and adds extremely visceral elements to oh. hit you on two different layers. Definitely. And Mulholland Drive is a great example of that. Is Just like think about the scene when he walks behind uh, Winkies, the diner, yeah. and that homeless beast comes out from behind right. the, the dumpster. It's like the scariest freaking thing ever, but it's the movie that takes place in a fever dream, basically. Right. I, I definitely 100% agree with that. What are you doing? I'm trying to figure out, like, I like how you're people in the audience can see it right now, but <laughs> just I'm like messing, I'm messing with your, my, now no, turn it this mouth. way and then no, uh-huh. turn it the way you had it. Uh huh. And then tilt this part. No, no. But no. now it's going away. I know, but like, tilt You know what I feel like? I feel close. like uh, that scene in, uh, in uh, Spinal, this is Spinal Tap, where he's like talking about the bread. And he's like, but if you if you fold the bread again, then it just keeps breaking. Well, turn this way. But see, it feels all loose now. Can you just, can you just hold my, how about that? Just hold my mic. How about that? Now raise the post up. See? Boom. And you can tighten these little bolts on the side. Yeah, see, I like... Yeah, see how yours is? How yeah. it's like... Perfect? Uh, yeah, it's Because I'm awesome and I'm professional? Up. Yeah, I wanted Man. mine like that. Amazing. Thank you. So there you go. It's better. There you go. What, what movie were we talking about? Spinal Tap? Spinal Tap, yeah, because he kept... <laughs> so funny. That was me, because I was just like, yeah, but if you bend it this way, <laughs> then it... It still, but then it comes apart, and you're like, no, that's just not how things work. You're just doing that wrong. I fell down a lot. <laughs> I fell. That's why my skeleton is green. <laughs> people, people that paid to come here tonight are I'm like, so great. Upset. So I'm just gonna watch <laughs> this idiot struggle with his microphone stand. Well, if they'd read the banner, it said high five colon the podcast colon live at Third Coast Comedy colon live colon. Q adjust his mic for an hour. That's it. And that's actually... They just didn't read to the end. But see, what they don't understand is it's all part of the illusion because this is very Lynchian. Yeah, right now, they're totally like... doing this. They're like, what, right, everybody? Right, that lady? Right, it. They're like, what's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to adjust my microphone stand for an hour and a half. And you know what? You don't understand, but really the meaning behind it is is how sometimes life isn't exactly how you want it. You have to just right. adjust things, and time is a flat Most circle. people don't understand why Shia LaBeouf is just standing facing a corner. Actual cannibal st- Shia yeah. LaBeouf, you mean? Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf is just standing facing a corner. This whole show, that's part of it. It's all an art show. It's, it's all part of the illusion. It's all part of the illusion. Nothing you're about to see is real. People. No one's playing an instrument, this and no is, one's singing. Or Especially talking. Especially not Jay. And see what people can't who are listening to the podcast can't see is you just actually just collapsed yeah. on stage while that was happening. It was amazing. People it in the audience, brilliant. their brains are just like. Poof. And then two little old people came out of a hat and they're like. Right. They came out of your face like like men in black styles. Just like your face opened up and it's just like a little dude piloting it. Sorry, everyone that you paid to see this. You're welcome. Money well spent. 
But Your yes. kid's not going to college, but you got to see this shit. <laughs> yes, but Mulholland Drive is fantastic, and uh, one of the things you know it was a, a pilot originally. It was supposed to be yeah, a series. I read that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the studio was like, "No, we're not going to do that." So he tacked on the last twenty-five minutes right. to explain the movie. Well, basically. see, I had heard <laughs> failure. No, <laughs> no, it's not. And now we'll talk about for it. me. Okay, we'll talk about it for me. That because remember I said I was like I was with it until about. <laughs> until Till about that point where it felt like a TV show. I know exactly end. when you fell And out then of it. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I don't understand. And then it was over. And then I'm just like, oh, no nope. meat. I have no, <laughs> I have no clue. Well, we can talk about it, but so, I really like your number so three. So thank you. So that's my number three. Okay, so, so to go back through your so five, So to roll three. back through it, I've got at number five, erase a head. I've got at number four, I am not an animal, elephant man. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, directed by David Lynch. What uh, a weird ass movie that would, that be. would be a weird. The Sausage King would be literally oh, made of sausage and a king. Right, he would just be. Uh, he'd be like, "Daddy wants to fuck," and then Sausage wants to fuck. Right. So, uh, and then my number three is Mulholland Drive. Love it, love it. So that time that my list ends that came out all wrong so i'm not even gonna sorry, say people. a word i'm gonna let you spin all right, here we go. i'm win. just i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna do it backwards you ready here we go hi i'm at spunkle and do you like your door jams licked? Every old door jams need good liquors, and that's what I am. I'm Matt Spunkle Door Jam Licker. Hi, I'm Sylvia, and I had Matt Spunkle come and lick my door jam, and I'll tell you what, my door is never closed as good as it did after Matt Spunkle. I remember Miss Pfeffinger because her doorknobs tasted like copper. Hi, I'm Charles, and I'm here to tell you that Matt Spunkle Door Jam Liquor is the best damn liquor that there's ever been. I like licking door jams because when I was a kid, um, I licked door jams in school, and I liked it. Hey, Matt Spunkle, are you hiring door jam liquors? Because I tell you what, I've also enjoyed licking a jam or two. Well, um, I'm Matt Spunkle, and you can call me at 1-800. I lick your door jams for $15 a minute. Delicious.com. Hey, does anybody around here know where I can get rid of all these orange pills? I sure do love me some clementines, but, but gosh darn it, if these pills aren't so burdensome. Excuse me, sir. I work for the Orange Peel Depot. And I will give you $20 for your orange peels. Well, by golly, that would be amazing. Fine. $50 for your orange peels. The, the, okay, this day just can't get much better. $200 for your orange peels. That just... Okay, I mean, I'm... I'm so, I'm so happy. Fine. $30,000 for your orange peels. I, I am so happy that I think I may have... I will sell my car for your orange peels. Them peels I rubbed on my wiener. You can have my family for your orange peels, please. I love this deal. Will you stop? Fine. I will give you the business for your orange peels, please. I accept. Well, 
Birchfield Depot, now going out of business. Owned by me and my wiener penises. And we're back! That was really David Lynchian that we just did. It was. It sounded was, so much like crazy. David Lynch. And actually, like, I don't know if you know this, but I could kind of feel the speakers, like, reverbing because everything was, like, slightly right on harmonies. So it was like our voices melded into one. That's my real gift as a performer is that I can almost be good. <laughs> you can almost hit a perfect harmony. Almost. But just, just not My chorus right. teacher was just... Almost frustrated me all the time in high school. <laughs> it's like, what you're a, super close. What an unfortunate situation. Yeah, I got the ribbon for most improved. <laughs> At the end of the semester. I got the participation, right? which means best. Which That's does. what my mom told me. It does. It means that. It means you it won. Means, it does. Right. It, it, this is the award that they give to you so the other kids don't feel bad. Participation is French for win no it's not for winning it's not at all though it's charlie sheen for winning <laughs> winning everything for winning. charlie sheen is winning all right so where are we two uh, and one we're at third coast <laughs> yeah, comedy club right, hey, right, everybody yes <laughs> oh but yeah. but yeah two and one two and one so back to me mm, sure, yeah, sure great <laughs> um <laughs> So just to recap, because we've been babbling a lot, my number five was Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. number four was Elephant Man, mm-hmm. number three was Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. My number two is, might surprise some people, my number two is actually Blue Velvet. <gasps> Gas! I am surprised. Gas went up in the crowd. Um, you know, Blue Velvet is my number two, because one, I think it sort of embodies what David Lynch would become. You know, uh-huh. I mentioned it earlier that he did that one after he did Dune. Right. And so the studio had basically just fucked him over for months and months and years on that Dune movie. It came out and he was not happy with it. But then Blue Velvet, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do exactly what I want. And it, Blue Velvet truly established what I would consider like the Lynchian style of directing. Where you can that. see everything that he was going to become in sure. Eraserhead and some of his shorts like Rabbits. But Blue Velvet really dove into that layers upon layers upon layers, like that symbology of it. So, I mean, think of how Blue Velvet starts. It's that, you know, obviously the Blue Velvet curtains parting, but then it becomes sky. Right. And you go down to that oversaturated white fence and the red roses. And then you go down into the oversaturated green grass. Right. And then you go underneath into like all the the bugs that are murdering each other. Right. And it's that that's the whole movie in the in the in like it is. span of like thirty seconds is this bucolic image up top, but really what's happening underneath are these people eating each that was other. Such a fancy Bucolic. Bucolic. It sounds like a disease, but it's really I not. thought it sounded like porn. It, it <laughs> sort of is. It's sort of like grammar porn, but right. bucolic, bucolic is such a, such a good word. Right. I'm going to um, go home and be like, hey, babe, tonight we're going to bucolic. Too gross. I would call in tomorrow and be sick. It's like, oh, I came down with the bucolic. <laughs> I got a plague. real bad case of bucolic. <laughs> I got a really bad case of bucolic. <laughs> but, you know, the lynchisms that became his staples, like the, everything is just sort of off. Yep. It sort of feels like the well, 1950s. I talked about that at the beginning. Everything, yeah. everything, he has a perfect way of really like underpinning what America really is. Like yeah. everything is this shiny veneer on the outside. Yep. But then underneath, everything's really gross. Like and that American dream and that American reality and the juxtaposition between the two of them. And it sort of established his, uh, what I would consider, obsession with night and day. You know, think of all of his movies. He has this really big, uh, 
just dichotomy between night and daytime. And so there's the everything that happens in the day is really atmospheric and jovial and happy and bright and oversaturated. Everything that happens at night is overly violent and very visceral and very scary. And like blondes and brunettes always play a part. Yep. And night and day always play a part. Well, I mean, and then there's usually one person that's stuck in the middle, struggling with the, both of those realities within themselves. And Kyle MacLachlan plays that part right. in, in Blue As Velvet, like the teenage kid. And, yep. and I mean, let's think honestly. It all. I mean, it's gr- it's weird in that. I mean, it starts with an ear. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it goes into that ear. Right. And then at the end of the movie comes out of Kyle oh, MacLachlan's ear. ear. So it, it does. He does that in Mulholland Drive too. He goes into the box and then he right. goes out of the box. And like he puts you into these different symbolically laden atmospheres. Right. I mean, and even with Blue Velvet, he sort of established his what I would consider his regular cast of players like Laura Dern is in it. Right. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin is in it. Uh, Jack Nance is in it. Uh, Francis Bay is in it. Like all people that would show up again in Twin Peaks right. would show up again in like Mulholland Drive and some of his uh, Inland Empire has a lot of those people in it as well. He I, has like his regulars, his regulars cast. I, you know what a big dream of High Five is, is that we could become David Lynch regulars. Oh man, I would love it. I feel like our show would fit into that. Like I feel so like totally. he could, I feel like he could be like, these are two just weird suburban guys doing a weird <laughs> show. And At then, nighttime like, and daytime, it's oversaturated right, sometimes. And like, and they're not very good, but <laughs> people still see them. And like, it's kind of like nobody understands why it works, but it just kind of works. It does just kind of work. And then there's little old people. Yeah, dead old people, like the yeah. old lady in the back who's dead there. And for whatever reason, we're all sucking on nitrous and yelling, "Baby wants to fuck yeah. all the time." But what? Al- okay, but also just to each other, which also kind of creeps people out sometimes. Back to Blue Velvet. How good of a character is Dennis Hopper? He's fucking fantastic. I mean, his character in that movie rivals the um uh was it easy rider yeah well not yeah well, easy rider for sure but um uh is it is willem that, defoe that, that was talking about right? for wild at heart rider? yes it it was. okay um but, well i was talking about willem defoe's character he oh, always has oh, that yes, one yes, character yes, yes. that's just like crazy balls to the wall and he, he rivals that in this one he's so scary and so intimidating in that movie, and then especially at the end when that guy's just standing there, like, lobotomized in the apartment. Right. With, like, brains hanging out. Oh, it's so but good. See, so good. For me, uh, too, I mean, speaking of Dennis Hopper, uh, this performance and uh, is probably the most iconic Dennis Hopper performance for me. It's what I think Outside of. Outside of Speed. Outside, oh, I was, you <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Outside of Speed. Um, and getting his head taken off by a oh, man. little subway tunnel. Thing. It's almost like David Lynch directed that. He loves head trauma. <laughs> he does. He I does. wonder if that's it. I wonder if they talked about it beforehand and he's like, one day, Dennis. <laughs> it was more like, one day, Dennis, you're going to go. Heads. You're going to go make a movie. About a bus. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> you're going to lose your head over this part. I just like that he's saying words. Bus. He's Bullock. You know what he. Uh, he's Reeves. D- David. <laughs> David Lynch sounds like to me is Jeff one of those, Daniels like, old time carnies with like the big like horn that he like talks. Hello, step right up. See the eraser head. Come it, see elephant man. <laughs> he it, actually fits in with all of his It does. Things. It does. But yeah, so I absolutely agree with you. I think uh, Blue Velvet is a fantastic flick. And 
you know, it's number two for me for reasons I'll get in when I talk about my number one, but I think it's David Lynch's most easily accessible film because while there, <laughs> and, I, and and let me explain that, like outside of Elephant Man, which is straight up like Yeah, Oscar I would say bait, that's his but just straight like, studio. Of his Lynchian films, let's put it that way. Okay. It's easier to understand and get into than Eraserhead. Oh, it's definitely. easier to parse out what's happening than Mulholland Drive. It's easier to not bleed from the ears than Inland Empire. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's, it's the Lynchian it's movie a that little pretty much more has linear, a straightforward story. It's linear than than a Lost Highway. Right. Oh, my goodness. Talk about so non-linear much. flicks. Oh, my God, yeah. And, and so for this one, you know, kid finds an ear, gets wrapped up in the mystery around it, falls in love with kind of two separate women, right. gets involved in a you know gang drug lord more right. than he should, and then ends up... Solving the mystery at the, end. at the end. Like, it's pretty straightforward of a story. Now, a lot of weird stuff happens. There's a lot of symbolism in it. But as David Lynch films go, it's probably the easiest one to start at. I can, If okay. you're not going to watch. If you're not going to. explained that, I can definitely. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. So, if you plan on watching the rest of David Lynch's catalog. Right. Start at Blue Velvet. So, you can understand the themes he's playing with. Then dive into like Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive, and Lind Empire. So Lost even though Highway, it came later, or well, not later in his career, but you know, midway, uh, you would say that that this movie would help inform a viewer as to what. So this is basically his most Lynchian movie, is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I would say that. It, so it that sort go, of acts okay, as a compass. This, yeah then you can navigate the rest of his films. Kind of, yeah. Like, if you can get on board with what the story this is telling and understand the Or if the you're layers, not going to like this, you're going to hate Then don't go with the rest. Right. Yeah, it's sort of your, like, gateway drug All right. to David Lynch it's films. It's the weed. It is. This is the weed of David Lynch films. Nice. Yeah. I like how you put that. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. I like how you Blue, that's put gonna that be the new, That's going to be the new tagline. <laughs> Blue Velvet. The, the weed of, of David, David Lynch. Lynch. <laughs> Gateway film. So that's my number two. I like it, man. So my number one, I've basically already given away, and it's Mulholland Drive. Boom! Boom! Drops Mike. Mulholland Drive is my favorite David Lynch movie for a couple of different reasons. Is it the booby scenes? <laughs> no, I mean, that helps. That's I'm not going to lie. That's my favorite. That's not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. That helps. Right. Uh but really, I love a good mind fuck movie. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, 12 Monkeys does that. There's a lot that just kind of like, at the end, you're like, what the fuck? We're going to use this time. Happened. And especially since it's your number one and, you, and we've got time for you to talk about it. I want you to fucking, since you're excited and you know what it's about, fucking explain to me okay. what the fuck is going on in this movie. So the whole thing deals with dreams, perception, and identity. Okay. That's the whole movie is around those three ideas. Remember how we've talked about earlier, yeah. every David Lynch film is about like a single idea at its core. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what this is, identity. Identity and perception are is what this movie is based around. So another thing I love about it, and this is I'm going to explain it because this is going to help you, is multiple viewings are required to okay. understand it. And I love films that do that. Like when I watch a movie and yes. they just have to watch it again, I love it. So for okay. me, got it. For me, what I love so much about it is that it's a huge riddle, and I love puzzles and I love riddles. So here is my explanation to you about what Mulholland Drive is about. Okay. The first two hours of the film, the parts that you're with it for, uh-huh. is a dream. Every bit of it is a dream. Okay. And think about it this way: outside of the credits, where everyone's doing like their jazz dance. 
the first thing you see in that movie uh-huh. is someone's head going down into a pillow and then it fading to black. That's the first image that you see in the film. So the last 20 minutes of the movie that like make your mind explode are an out of order sequence of what's happening in quote unquote real life. So what's happening? Here's my quick synopsis okay. of Mulholland Drive. I'm spoiler with you. I'm alert with you so far. for everyone who's here and everyone who's listening. This is spoiler alert. Okay. Naomi Watts won a dance competition. So let's just think about the last 20 minutes of the film. So last 20 minutes of the film, Naomi Watts wakes up in her bed. She's like all disheveled and she's crazy. And she has, I forget which name she's going by at the end of the film, but that's her real name. Right. Betty Blue, is not her real Blue name. Blue Ivy. Yeah. No, it's not that. Northwest. <laughs> it's not that either. Kim K. Um, stop it. Uh, Got dicey. <laughs> that's her real name. Okay. And so she's living in that apartment. Right. She's actually sleeping in the exact same position they find the dead girl, dead girl in in that apartment in the dream. When okay. they come and break into that apartment. Yeah. She's laying in the exact same position. On the bed that you see at the beginning when someone right. goes down. Right, yeah, yeah. So she came to Hollywood with the idea that I'm going to become famous. She won a dance competition back home, which is what the opening credits is, is that jazz dance. Right, okay. She wins that and comes to Hollywood. She can't get any jobs, but she starts to get jobs through that brown-haired friend, like the really famous actor, Cordelia, or right. whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah, She starts to get side jobs with her, and they sort of fall in love and have trysts. Like they're, they're right. sort of like, well, like while this is going on. Yeah. Sure. Then that lady gets engaged to the director, Adam. And then she goes to that party and like basically kind of flips her lid and then sees that other blonde haired girl make out with her and then just walk away. The next thing that she does is she goes to Winkies and hires a contract killer to kill the Cordelia. I think, I don't, I don't think that's her name, but to kill her. Remember she slides the picture across. It's like, yeah. this is the girl, which yeah. they say in the dream a whole lot. This right. is the girl. He slides it across. He's like, when you see the blue key, you'll know it's done. So after the whole fever dream, like the first two hours, she wakes up, she goes into her living room. Her ex-girlfriend is coming around picking up stuff and she sees the blue key on the table. And then she starts to have a fever dream, remembering everything that's happened and going into guilt because this person that she's loved is now dead by her hand, by basically. basically her hand because that blue key was sitting in her house. Then knowing all of that, the first two hours of the movie is what she's dreaming of what she wishes her life had been like. She shows up to, to Los Angeles to become famous. Right. She finds the brown haired girl, Cordelia who can't remember who she is right. and is completely dependent on her on her. She's this fantastic actress who goes to our audition and nails the audition. And she's this she's the hero in her dream. The Adam, the director guy, keeps getting shit on. He his his wife is sleeping with Billy Ray Cyrus. He gets kicked right. out of the hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loses his job. So everyone that she hates in real life is just getting shit on in her dream. And then that the mystery woman, the name that her girlfriend in real life is, the Cordelia, which I'm saying incorrectly, Fucking is just the interesting. name of Hollywood blasphemy in her dreams. Like, oh, that's the girl that the studio is pushing on, and she's not really even a good actress, but she he has to hire her. She's the girl that gets all the parts just because of the studio, these faceless studio execs that sort of exist in the fringe. 
And so her dream is that she's in love with the good part of Cordelia that she has always loved. And, and that's that woman, kind of like where it all mm-hmm. comes from. But then throughout the dream, sort of like Inception, the dream is trying to wake her up to the reality. So they're trying to get to that woman and there's like guards everywhere. Uh-huh. And they go to that club and they, you know, basically her dream is telling her this isn't real. Everything you're seeing isn't is real. not real. Everything is just for show. And it's her own show. And this dream starts to break down. And then they find the blue key and they find the blue box and they open it and fall into it and she wakes up. That's fucking mind-blowing, dude. You just, like, legit blew my mind. And now I need to watch the movie again. Because if you watch it, knowing knowing that changes the whole thing. It really does. I mean, it changes the whole concept of what the movie was and everyone thinks that the end is like oh just this weird jumble of of shit it's her waking up after the party has happened after she's hired the contract killer all of that has after they've made love on the couch all of that has already happened she's waking up then she sees the blue key and basically has a fever dream remembering of everything that has happened that led up to that point and but the person she loved is dead and then she goes into so much guilt because the police are knocking on her door that she shoots herself in the head and explodes into smoke brilliant it's fucking awesome yeah now I'm gonna watch it again you have to thank you you have to that's why I would encourage everyone here and everyone at home to go watch it again with that that knowledge in your head and I promise you the movie makes perfect sense I love it because even here's I'll, I'll even go a little bit deeper because even in the scene at Winkies where that that guy, man, I forget that character actor's name, but I love him. He's explaining the dream to his therapist, and he's like, yeah, there's a monster behind the thing. Right. That guy is who she sees standing at the counter at Winkies when she's hiring the hitman. Yeah. And he's, like, giving her a weird side eye. So he's, like, this embodiment of guilt. Interesting. And so he shows up in That's the dream. That's fucking crazy. Talking about having a dream. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy and cool. Like, I didn't even realize that that was... Yeah, you just blew my mind on it, man. You made it thoroughly more enjoyable. Which, that's why it's my number one. Because once all the puzzle pieces connect, it's a perfectly brilliant movie on every level. It's technically done to the height of David Lynch's ability, in my my opinion. Sure. The writing is great. The acting is great. And you know the acting is great because of those scenes that are like, oh, this is an audition. This is fake. But he's just going to zoom in on those two faces. And the acting's so good that you forget it's a audition for a movie inside a dream inside, inside a movie dream. right you forget all of that because it's just so good where it needs to be good and oh, it's bad and when it, it also needs to be fucking bad. makes that scene how the, or like the repeated theme of like the, none of this is real like mm-hmm. none of what you're seeing is, is real is real the, just like an inception which is weird the dream tries to wake you up like it, and every time it tries to establish like she goes to find someone and there's there's guards and so she kind of starts to shake or when they're at that club and he's like, none of this is real. And she starts to have like a spasm. Right. The dream is trying to tell her to wake up. And then, you know, the two little people that come out of the hat at the end. Yeah. That I've referenced a couple of times. Those are the two old people from the beginning of the movie that walk out of the airport with her. They're like, you're going to do so great, sweetie. We just can't, you know, tell you how much, how proud of we are. We, proud of you we are, blah, right. blah, blah. And then there's that scene in the taxi cab where they're just smiling incoherently right. for no reason. If you pay close attention during the opening credits during the jazz dance that she wins those two old people are in a snapshot with her i believe those are her parents and so in her dream they're the embodiment of 
true true belief in so her just and to her like, ability. Just to clarify this one last time. So the entirety of the movie, excepting Except like the last twenty five minutes. The last twenty five minutes is a dream. Yep. Everything from the opening credits where there's like a dance sequence of the jazz dance that she wins, then it curtains open and you see first person someone's head going down into a pillow and then it fades to black everything after that up through the scene where you fall into the blue box is a dream gotcha fucking fascinating yeah and everybody that's in the end is like that's been in her life is in the dream because that's how dreams work you right you know you, you, you relate faces right mm-hmm. interesting yeah i love it so I think you, have you to blew all it. these people's so mind and you blew my mind. That's my number one, and that's why it's my number one, because it's a riddle. And once you know the the pieces, it makes everything else make sense. I love it. Boom. So that's my uh, those are my top well five. Well done. So so recap, what you got? Five Wild at Heart, four Elephant Man, three Eraserhead, two Blue Velvet, yep. one Mulholland Drive. Fan fantastic. This is the girl. I love it. I love it so much. This is the girl. That is fantastic. Well, now it's time for my top two. My top two. Let's see if you can beat my top two. Yes, do the top two right All now. Right, let's do the rest of the episode like this. <laughs> I was just going to talk real weird like this. Yeah, sniff, yep, yep, yep. My number two is Wild at Heart. Hey, nice. Yeah, man. Uh, so good, right? Yeah, absolutely. For me, I feel like... Wild at Heart kind of, I think it was his, like, dirtiest movie oh, that man. he's made. Like, it was his gross, like, everybody in that movie is <laughs> fucking gross. The mom who hires, like, seven different yeah. men to kill her daughter's and we, boyfriend. We, t- we talked about that. We talked about with fucking um, oh, uh, Willem, Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yes. Um, but, I mean, Laura Dern, once again, like you were Regular. talking about, kind of became his staple. This is Nicolas Cage. At his cagiest? At his, one of his cagiest. Um, but, which is weird because, uh, like, I know that Lynch, you know, honed in on Kyle McLaughlin <laughs> later. Okay. But um, I kind of am surprised that Cage didn't become a Lynch oh, staple. I would love it. We were, I was actually talking with somebody on Twitter about this uh, at, with high the number five, the podcast, our Twitter handle. Gotcha. We were talking about how Nicolas Cage should have been in more David Lynch movies. I feel like he should. Like After feel- Wild at Heart, you totally... I mean, like, Snake Eyes should have never happened. Do more David Lynch movies. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he missed his calling. Oh, man. Like, he, he could have been the... As Johnny Depp is to Tim Burton... He could have been, you know, that to David Lynch. And you don't have to, like, blow up your career for nope. it because David Lynch only makes a movie every, like, six years. Exactly. So. And I, 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 it may have legitimized him a little bit more. We know he probably wouldn't be, you know, bankrupt. Look at what it's done for Laura Dern's career. Exactly. You know? She's in Reese Witherspoon. Movies. She's in all sorts of shit. I see her all Jurassic the time. Park. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Was what? that was that the Reach Witherspoon movie? It's called Wild. I don't know about Australia? Into the Wild. No, that's no, the one with Emil Hirsch. That's Emil Hirsch where he dies. Um, <laughs> Spoiler audience, who cares? don't watch that movie. You didn't. You didn't uh, come here to have random other movies <laughs> spoiled for you. We're just gonna randomly. Frodo gets the ring to Mordor. <laughs> right. Shut up. They walk a lot. They're all dead. <laughs> 
Which movie is that? All the movies. All of them. It's all. If you're like, oh, well, I wonder what the twist is going to be. It's that they're all dead. Originally, David Lynch was going to write it. And it was all a fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> all of Hollywood. Um, but yes, no, Wild at Heart is good. And music is great in that one, yeah, too. Absolutely. And we talked about the Elvis yep. use. Um, but it's kind of one of those things because uh, I, I feel like Elvis is like the quintessential, once again, embodiment of the kind of American dream. You know what I mean? When yeah. you think him or when you think Ameri- you know, classic American iconic-ness, you think of Elvis. Yeah. Um, and it's this nice shiny veneer on the outside. Yep. And then you've got this like troubled, just dirty, crazy person nasty, on the inside. Defoe teeth underneath. Right. Taking a shit and just having a heart attack. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, another thing we talked about it is for whatever reason, whenever David Lynch does like happy, good veneer type things, it's always set in the seemingly like leave it to beaver style yeah. universe. Like blue velvet set that way. Mulholland drive is set that way. Wild at heart feels that way during it's like happy scenes. Absolutely. And Elvis plays right into that, that 1950s, 1960s the shiny veneer. Yep. Yeah, like white picket fence, red door type of quote unquote American dream. And he's this like, Norman Rockwell yes. kind of like, and that's what imagery. he always, he, he, all of his movies are set in a time period, but they always feel like that for some reason. I agree. Definitely. I, I believe it's on purpose. 100%. I agree. I feel yeah. like, I mean, also you got to think David Lynch's age. Right. And imagery that's iconic to him. He's he's going to recreate things from his past. Sure. So when yeah. he, you know what I mean? People always do that. So you recreate what you identify with. And he identifies with that kind of like Norman Rockwell yep. era America. He also did a really interesting, and this is just a random side note, but um, after Twin Peaks, uh, there was a show, another show that he was involved with um, about uh, uh Radio production was it radio production or television studio it's called Mulholland Drive? Nope. Okay. Um, I don't. I'm actually not familiar. You're not with familiar this. with this. All right. So we'll talk about this in the meantime while we're talking about this. I'm going to look this up for you, and because I'm sure the audience would like to know. Oh, I know cool. you can find. At one point, I went down the proverbial rabbit hole. Um, that not, is all David Lynch things. You're not talking about the Charlie Kaufman. No, no, no. He, TV show that was fantastic. No, nope, he did another thing with Mark. He, Mark Frost was involved with it. Mark Frost was involved Twin with Twin Peaks. Um, but the show is called like I want to say it was like Radio Land something. Um, but no, it, it I don't like I don't Allen. I don't think. Uh, oh, it's called On the Air. <laughs> oh, I'm not it's called with On this. the Air. And uh, it was a American sitcom created by David Lynch and Mark Frost. You haven't seen this? I haven't. There are some, I want to say, I don't, I don't, um, they only, okay, they did seven episodes. Okay. You can find them. I They're will. out there on YouTube. I'm going to do this. And it is another one. It is very Twin Peaksy. Nice. Um, it's just these really Can't wait for that reunion, odd characters. Man, the, what is it? Showtime or yep. Cinemax? Showtime. Showtime. That's got, oh man, Next it's going to be so, so good. good. Everybody's so come back, even Log Lady. We should invite all of the people in the audience here, and you and I. We should we should do a Twin a screening Peaks party? screening party. That'd be awesome. I love that. Would that be great? I wish I could have included in this in this list, but I think but, everybody out here would agree with that. Yeah. That should be great. So I think that's something you and I should work on. I so people, stay tuned for that shit. We're, we're going to see if we can put something in the pipeline. But yeah, check this show out on the air. I, I know it's on YouTube. 
Uh, I know that's not necessarily the most reputable place to find it, but <laughs> I don't think they ever released it on anything like DVD or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, but not as popular as news radio or just shoot me, but <laughs> but it close. plays into what we we're talking about with um, with this movie in that it is another one that it just has this kind of like weird iconic yep. mi- middle America kind of feel to it. Um, but yeah, so for me, wild at heart, crazy movie. We've already talked in depth about some of the performances <laughs> yeah. in this. Sorry. I, I stole to- some of your thunder. No, it's totally fine. Uh, but, and, and it actually makes me happy because I feel yeah. like, um, that just pr- solidifies even more why it at least needs to be on my list. Oh, sure. It's definitely on my number two, but, um, it, I, I like it when we kind of match up on stuff like that. So that's my number two. And? Wild at Heart. And my number one is Blue, Blue Velvet. Velvet. Gotta be. It, it it's had Blue to be. Velvet. Had to be. Blue as Velvet. As soon as you hadn't mentioned it in five through two, I knew it had to be number yeah. one. And it's my number one. And I'll tell you why. Because much of what you talked about in that you said it was kind of a good, uh, easy access film for mm-hmm. for folks. Um not in like an easy. Well, it's no, not an easy no, it's movie, not an easy movie to his yes. repertoire. If you I will. would say to a certain extent, I feel it's kind of the apex of David Lynch. It's, it's really. I feel good. like it feels the most Lynch. It feels very pure, and it may be because, like you had talked, it came after Dune. Mm-hmm. I feel like he had this real artistic backlash right. after Dune, and I feel like he just really wanted to jump into something that was just pure him right. through and through to wash that Dune taint well, off. You know, and it's so frustrating too because I know we didn't neither of us had Dune on our list, and no. I know for people, some of the people here and some of the people listening, that is going to be. And they like say that's a favorite. really important movie to them, which I get. Which I understand. Like, for the sci-fi universe, sure. It was a great undertaking. The problem with Dune is it's been made, like, seven times. Yeah. And his, Into while is miniseries, the, all oh, sorts man, of shit. There, there's miniseries and documentaries about the making of that movie, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that movie exists on, like, seven different on its planes own thing. of reality. But as a Lynch film. It's the Spice Man. The Spice not, makes you see yeah, different planes of reality. He's not happy with it. You can tell there were production. When you watch that movie, you can say, this is where the the, the oh, it, producers it came it in. Feels, this, it feels. It, it absolutely feels like, and I, I have no doubt, and I will say this, and I'm, I think I, I remember David Lynch saying something about this in an interview, but I feel like we had the potential to get a really amazing movie out of this Dune pairing yeah. with David Lynch and the movie. I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's just not when we're talking list of quintessential David Lynch movies that right. make what defines David right. Lynch's career. I absolutely, it mm. couldn't be further from my list. It wasn't even I, on my honorable mention I don't because of that. I feel reason. like it defines his yeah. style. Like you, I wouldn't, if somebody was like, I've never seen a David Lynch movie. I'm never going to be like, well, you should go see Dune if you want right. to see what he makes. Cause that's not what, <laughs> doesn't, that's not what that right. doesn't jive with anything else that he's done. And and to your point, it does really. And now we're talking about Dune instead of Blue Velvet. But that's right. It well, does we d- feel to be honest, weird. we went really in depth with Blue Velvet yeah. on yours, so I don't mind. We'll use the time. <laughs> but it is one of those where the idea of sci-fi, especially the Dune story and David Lynch, does feel like a perfect pair. Oh, yeah. So if really the studio had just stayed out of the way, it probably would have been great. It would have been. Which is so unfortunate. It is, and that's why I'm saying that, and I agree with you, in that you can literally watch that movie and go, 
that had to be a studio yeah. note. That had to be a studio note. It's almost like because you and I went and saw Ant Man together, and this is a weird comparison yeah. to make. But you can tell the scenes that Edgar oh, Wright did for sure, and you can sure. tell the scenes that he didn't have a part in. You can tell studio scenes, and you can tell Edgar Wright scenes, and it's glaringly obvious. Now the movie is enjoyable for what it is, but you can definitely tell there were production I am issues. So glad that you said that because if you remember. That you bringing up Edgar Wright actually takes us right back to our very first episode where we both discussed both David Lynch and Edgar Wright uh, because they were both, they our, were both on our list. Right. And um, we had a very similar conversation. And I will agree with you in the sense that when you have a director and this kind of sums up and this is a perfect place to kind of end our conversation regarding David Lynch on. Don't you tell me where to stop <laughs> talking about David Lynch. When you... When you sum up, there are two different types of directors in this world. You have directors that can make movies, and then you have directors that have specific voices that make artwork. What I would, yeah, artists. Yeah. I would say there are directors and there are artists. And so your directors, and that is absolutely from two unabashed filmmaker filmmaker fans, that is no slight to the directors. Oh, oh God, no. Because they make some of the most enjoyable yep. films out there. But you also then have people like your Edgar Wrights, like your David Lynch's, like your Tarantino's, that they have a very singular voice and vision that is very theirs. Now, Tarantino, a bunch of people are like, yeah, but he just makes other people's movies. He's just <laughs> remaking their movies. Shut up. One. Yeah, first off, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> also, you bought a ticket, so I'll tell you to shut the fuck up. But uh, he, they, they have very unique voices. You can watch a snippet you of a scene. Rob Zombie. Yeah. He's, I think he falls into that category. Absolutely. You can watch a snippet of a scene from any of their movies and immediately go, I know who yeah. directed this. I like, think Paul Thomas Anderson falls into that category, too. I would too. absolutely agree. There's just a vibe. There's a feel. There is a look. There is a style that is encompassing it, and you uh, informed me. I didn't even. I mean, I know I had used the term on my own, but you're right. David Lynch sums that up so much that he has his own term, Lynchian. Lynchian. Yeah, when something it's like Kafka esque. Right. When I mean, <laughs> he, he something has, so He has well. become a verb. Yeah. You know, or an adjective. And and uh, me. let me put this out there too. When we talk about directors and artists, and there being a, a dissection. There are good and bad examples in each category. Oh, Just because I call someone sure. an artist does not mean everything they do is good. And I'll give you an example. Tom Six is a perfect example of that. <laughs> the guy who did the Human Centipede yeah. trilogy. He is an artist because he has a vision. His movies are doing exactly what he wants them to do from beginning to end. And he doesn't care about what the studio thinks. He doesn't care, honestly, about what the, what audience, the audience thinks. thinks. He is going to do what he wants to do and make his vision. Sure. Um, and so he falls into that category. Now, I don't think he's very, I don't think his vision is great. Right. You know, it's like, it's a that vision I that don't I don't like. like. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just, but he, um, and Michael Henneke is another one. Oh yeah, like for sure. Funny games. Yep, and yep, some yep, of yep, his, yep, yep. his fall into that. Um, <laughs> yep, 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 uh, and then who's the guy that did, uh, Antichrist and oh, necrophilia. Um, uh, oh, fuck. No, it's not that. <laughs> I'm going to, Okay. I know who you're talking about. Um, 
Oh, man. Audience, come uh, on. Oh, Von Trier. Lars Von Trier. Lars Von Trier, thank yes. you. Yes, he is another example of that because he has – his movies are not enjoyable by everybody. Uh, Haneke is the same way. He makes movies that feel very rough to watch, but he's doing something for a reason. So there are good examples of artists and there are good and bad examples of directors. Like on the director side, I'd say Steven Spielberg is a director and not an artist. Right. Because all of his movies are – not all, but most of his movies are very good, but – you know, they're blockbuster right. movies. Sure. And then there's like Michael Bay on the bad side. Right. You can tell it's a Michael Bay movie, but he's no I artist. Agree. I agree. So, you know, when I say artist, I'm not like putting it on some pedestal. I mean, it's just their take toward directing and take toward the art and the skill right. of being a director. I agree. So. Fantastic. Wow. I think that, that went really deep. We really, we did. We Suck like, it, we everybody. sounded like fucking professionals there for we a minute. We are fucking professionals. But I will have to say this. Unfortunately, due to our time constraints and the fact that another show is coming on after us, we have to stop. We've ran a little long. We have to stop. We're not going to have time to do our second commercial break. Okay. So I'm sorry. Suck it. We have Just suck it. We have more shows. Just suck Come it. to more. We'll do them. Just suck but it. But David Lynch is a is a subject that needs dissecting. Also suck it. Yeah, 100% suck it. But we do have time to play our game. So Yay! Game. So shit's going to get weird. Oh, it's going to get real weird because what we're playing today is Lynch Jammer. Ooh, all right. So uh, I'm going to tell you this as if you don't know Sounds what we're like doing. Sounds like a delicious sandwich spread it and is. also a problem. It is. It is. It's a very confusing sandwich spread, <laughs> but it's very delicious. So Excellent. what we're going to do is I have printed out multiple David Lynch monologues. Oh, God. And, you're, and we're each going to put in... A speech jammer headphones and okay. recite them to each other. So explain to me, what is this speech jammer technology? Speech jammer is an app that basically replays your voice back to you half a second after you speak. So your brain <laughs> cognitively can't continue on because you're trying to listen and speak at the same time. Fantastic. And it's, it's basically like a mind trick. Gotcha. And Kind of like David what, Lynch movies. Exactly. Perfect. So uh, you're going to go first. Okay. that's going to be the funniest. I'm down So I'm going to hand you the headphones. All right. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's get weird with this. And then... And when you put them around, do kind of ear, ear muffs, like around the... Okay. The ear, the ear, trying to make ear sure things. I, I get in the right ear. They're here. they're headphones. Like put them, just put them in your ears. Can you hear yourself? Hey. Okay. So you're good. Yep. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is now I'm gonna give you. Oh wow! I can already hear you. <laughs> on delay. <laughs> now read this. Oh boy, this is. Weird. <clears throat> okay. All my life, I've only wished to be normal, to look, <laughs> talk, walk, and act like a normal person. <laughs> what is normal? The perfect human being? Well, nobody's perfect, so I can't be that. <laughs> Look at the people sitting around you. Are they all normal just because they have two eyes? Their eyes might be blue and yours brown. Does that make them more normal than you? What about the size of their ears or nose? 
do these physical features make them any kinder or smarter? <laughs> People say I'm intelligent. <laughs> they like my artistic abilities. But if they like me, why do they laugh at me? When they first see me, why do they scream in horror? All my life, I've only ever wished to be normal. To look, talk, walk, and act like a normal person. I am not an animal. I am a human being. Holy crap, I had to take that. Oh. Wow. Isn't that fun? That is fun and so bizarre. <laughs> okay, so now. How did that sound? Oh, it, it felt you real sound weird. Like an idiot. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. man, that was weird. Okay, and I'm going to try and. Okay. Do, I'm going to try and do it. <laughs> yeah, you give yourself the nice short one. <laughs> no, no. I, I put it aside. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. 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 Uh, we're just going to sit here and just say, okay. okay. Enjoy it, audience. Okay. Okay. Diane, it's 4.20 p.m. I'm standing here <laughs> at the Wind River near the... <laughs> <laughs> where the body of Teresa Banks was found. <laughs> Diane, this case gives me a strange feeling. Not only has Special Agent Chester Desmond <laughs> disappeared without a trace, but this is one of Cole Blue's Rose cape cases. Cases. <laughs> cases. The clues that were clue, found by Agent Ah Desmond and Agent Stanley <laughs> have led to dead ends. <laughs> the letter that was extended from beneath the fingernail of Doreen Teresa Banks gives me the feeling that the killer will strike again. <laughs> but like the song goes, who knows where or when. <laughs> Ooh, that was wow, funny. that was <laughs> awful. Here, you got one more. Oh, God. Because I came up with the game, so you have to do it twice. Great. Because <laughs> people think I'm normal already, clearly. All right, here we go. You ready? Just about. Do me a favor. Stay away from Dorothy. <clears throat> Don't be a good neighbor to her anymore, or I'll send you a love letter straight from my heart, fucker. Do you know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker. Do you receive a love letter from me and you're fucked forever? <laughs> Do you understand fuck? I'll send you straight to hell, fucker. <laughs> Sounds 
so menacing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was classic. Oh, this free app was well worth the money. It is beautiful. I love it. Oh. So that was a fun, that was a very Lynchian game. That was cool. Game. It, I felt like I was in the red room there for yeah, a minute while totally we were doing that. So I'd like oh. to take this time since we've reached the end to thank everybody from coming out to, <laughs> to the Third Coast Comedy Club. Um, and I'd like to thank Third Coast Comedy. And yeah, we've got a couple sure. more shows coming up. Oh, definitely. So, um, be sure to check out our mumble, Mumblecore episode and which live we're recording. Doing in like a week. A couple two weeks. weeks, yeah. Um, September 20th, 20th, 23rd? I think it's 23rd. It's a Friday. 23rd. It's 23rd. It's 23rd at midnight. midnight which means we can show. be extreme. We can say like fucking stuff. Yeah, we can say fuck. We could be naked. We could fucking kill somebody. We could because it's a midnight show. We could just murder. Yeah. Everybody knows murder is legal at midnight. Murder, Past midnight, murder, sex, sex, and murder, murder. Dead tits. Yeah. That's going to be there. So, uh, so yeah. So, come check us out. Um, go to our website, www.highfivethepodcast.com. And check also, out. when you're there, check out our store because you can get cool merch. merchandise. You can be wearing, walking around, impressing your friends with your high five t-shirts. Be so impressed. With your t- uh, tote Tote bags. Yeah, that's what it's called. Coffee mugs. Oh, yeah. So We're much. on it. So you, much good stuff. You want it? Just we get got it. it. Get it. Butt plugs. <laughs> no, not yet. You want to shove you can just Jay straight up. <laughs> you can just borrow one of our butt plugs. You can. Instead of buying them. Just uh, come to the shows and ask us for one and we'll, fi- check we'll it figure out. it out. Um, we're going to have some posters going up oh, soon. Oh, for sure. Um, we Poster has, for this show, which we had some a limited release. It is, and it is so, so sexy. It's it so is good. such a sexy, oh, good-looking awesome. poster. It is better than our show. It is. So it, much it, better. The artwork is it really elevated. <laughs> Just and actually, our, our just dumbassness. and it's going to cause everyone to be extremely disappointed after listening <laughs> to the show. And they're like, "Wow, this poster looks great. I bet they're going to be fantastic." And then they listen, Wrong. and then they're just like, "Oh, I guess I'll just only buy posters." Just from buy the poster, forward. and then you know you don't have to listen to the show. Just tell other I'll tell people you what, to listen to you the show. You don't have to listen to the show if you buy a poster. Yeah, like if you're listening right now, um, you know, finish this episode, uh, but then but uh, then but buy, buy a poster, poster, but don't listen to this episode. But you again. don't have to listen to it again. Yeah, listen uh, to the next one, but just not this one. Not this one. Uh, so you can reach out to us at www.highfivepodcast.com and we've got new features in the works. We'll have new sections of the site coming up soon. So keep keep your eyes peeled. Keep them. Keep them. Speaking of artwork, shit's going to get arty. Arty farty. And then we've also got, of course, you can, uh, tweet at us on the Twitter at high, the number five, the podcast. And then Facebook at, uh, facebook.com slash high five, the podcast, all words. Yep. And you can uh, also check us out on the Instagrams where you can keep up with weird shit that we do, whatever. And last but not least, go to Third Coast Comedy. See some comedy. Support your local comedians. Yes. If if we didn't make you laugh enough, check out some other people who probably can. They got plenty of other people who can make you laugh. Go to their website. Buy tickets for our show and all the other shows that they offer. They are www.thirdcoastcomedy.club. Club. So check it out. We're out, bitches. Outies, outies, High outies. five. Out. Done. We're going to take people into the blue box. <laughs> and done. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here. Raid Nikazoon's hell was red now.
Masi Terpangis Derb of Marf Ryu Rao. Sir Keith Feud Lift Zish. Kabnem Smara Yam Smaratamos Swab Ruan Ye Yak Loifie. Liatsni Tabmuk Utmiagzi Kyahui Mugtan Zundog Tagya Star!